Welcome to the Spirit of Wellness podcast with me, Tanya Mather. We talk about how spirituality is interconnected to our overall well-being and how it can help us in our everyday activities. Holistic wellness comes from connecting mind, body, and spirit, and it's our intention to share some ideas that we found that have helped us and we hope will help you too. We bring you some interesting conversations about wellness, so keep listening if we sparked your curiosity. My sidekick today is Rob Humphreys. He also produces this podcast. Rob, anything you want to say before we start? Yeah, during the conversation, Peniel talks about mandalas. That's a group of women who join together, supporting and helping each other raise money. It's been compared to a pyramid selling scheme. But as you'll hear, Peniel has nothing but praise for her experiences in her groups. Thank you for that, Rob. We're thrilled to welcome Pernil Otson. Pernil's a fascinating woman with a colourful background, and we talk about her plans to develop an ecological cemetery. We talk about death and dying and all that surrounds it. And despite the topics, our chat is actually full of joy. So here we go. I'm really excited about today's interview. It's with Pernil. Pernil, I think we're going to be talking a little bit about death, dying and cemeteries, right? Mm-hmm. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Tanya. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? So I am uh, half Danish, half Norwegian, born in Spain. So I've literally uh, grown up on the coast my whole life, which is a rare thing, people being born in Marbella. Yeah. Basically, I studied in the UK. I've always been into the art, creative world. I have been um, just making sculptures. And I did. I used to do all the outfits for all the go-go's in uh, Nikki Beach, Ocean Club, big headpieces, feathers. Uh, I used to build sets for films in London, like the inside of spaceships. I did the inside of uh, Hansel and Gretel's house. That was fun. Oh, wow. So loads of suites, um, theatre. Then I came here. I was a carpenter for three years as well. Join a machinist, actually. Really? Yes. And then uh, here I've been doing more festivals lately. So um, trying to work with uh, kids of different capabilities and doing like um, using recycled materials to do... Um, all kinds of weird festival decor. And I'm also doing a um, festival in Zanzibar, second one Ooh. coming up, yeah. What kind of festival? Music festival. Wow. Yes. Okay, we've got to have another conversation after yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but a big turn of events now for me in my right. life. Okay. New projects. Beautiful. Okay, so tell us about how you came about deciding that you wanted to create an ecological cemetery. Okay, so... Um, if that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of different names at the moment because it hasn't got one. It's got Forest Cemetery, it's got Bosque de los Recuerdos, it's got um, Memory Forest. It's, I mean, there's hundreds of ideas at the moment. Not, there's not one patented yet. And, and um, it's a concept that's, that's starting to grow all over the world. So anyway... That's something to look for. But where did it come from? So I think I've been doing really good at creating abundance in my life. So when then I was uh, I was in a woman's uh, mandala of dreams and I had all these women that didn't have that much abun- economical abundance, I would say. And um, they all started like giving me money. But, you know, like women that had literally didn't have a fridge and they were giving me 1,200 euros cash. That was like, would maybe take them like six months to, to get together. What happened was I started thinking, what am I going to do with this money? I can't just go out and spend it on, on something that's irrelevant or not. So um, what I did was I started thinking and thinking and thinking, what do I want to do? What do I want to do to give back to the mother? What do I want to do to give back to... Um, Mother Nature, what can I do with this money? And that's where I started remembering. And actually last night when I was writing you an email thinking about what interesting topics we could go over with this uh, forest cemetery idea, because there's so many topics to cover, I realised that when I was five, 
I ran away from home with my little boyfriend at the time in my, the little Danish island. As you do yeah. when you're five. <laughs> we packed a couple of uh, sweets and, and things. And they found us hours later. And we were at the forest. At the, well, it wasn't a forest cemetery, but it was like the church, the local church up on the high street. But it had a beautiful garden around it. And it had... Um, The tombs, the typical tombs in those olden days churches that's just covered with grass and huge trees. And there we were. You know, that's the place that we chose to go because parks, I think, and, and cemeteries used to be beautiful places to go. Like um, in the 19th century, there was like uh, the first ones were inside cities and they used to go there to court, to have picnics at the cemetery. Yeah. You wouldn't think about going to a cemetery now for a picnic, would you? Actually, you know, well, no, not for a picnic, but actually there's a route, a touristic route around Europe. Do you know this? I'm sure you know this, uh -huh. about beautiful cemeteries. And they're part of this route where you can go, like I know the one in Sitges, and I'll tell you a story about that, that one. And it was part of this route of beautiful cemeteries of, the, of Europe that you can go and, and visit because there are some beautiful yeah, cemeteries. There are some beautiful ones. Yeah, that's true. But they're usually old, old yes, ones. Yes, they're uh -huh. older ones. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I kind of want to go with this. I want to go back to that original um, magical place, and also like kind of embracing that death that it's not such a bad thing, and it's somewhere you can go and be peaceful and meditate mm. and be at one, you know, with your past loved ones. Mm. And it's bringing reverence into dying and death. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. There was something really horrific that I sent to you also the other night. It was um, <laughs> so that on this sort of line with forest cemeteries, some a friend of mine was watching TV and she filmed, um, you know, look, they're composting bodies. This is amazing. This is perfect for your forest cemetery. And then the next thing she sent me was like, whoa, You can go to, into the forest and then you, you click on a button and then an avatar of the person that's passed comes out of the tree and then you can have like a conversation. <laughs> you didn't look at it, did you? No. No, it's really horrific. Like, so there's a, there's a lot of like strange things happening um, around people with new ideas, like yeah. freeze drying and, and doing all these things to bodies. She wasn't watching Avatar and just imagined most of it. <laughs> No. no, 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 no. So when we look at, let's look at a little bit about the modern cemeteries, because we know that, you know, the, the previous cemeteries, what would you say, a date, maybe 1600, 1700s, even prior to that. They were beautiful places. And, but we look at modern cemeteries these days, and we look at the way, the modern way of, of dying and death and how, where it's approached, and it's a traumatic experience, Right. Um, I remember when my mom passed and even when my dad passed, but there were some beautiful, beautiful things. But I know that, that there's a lot of trauma around that. So when we look at this, and it's not only the trauma, but it's also, you look at the landscape and they're some of the most toxic landscapes. What do we do with all these bodies? And obviously cremation is a bit of a solution to that, but you can't even put the ashes in anywhere you've got to what do you do with the ashes do you put them on the mantelpiece there's a whole I mean we could talk hours and hours about this but how is it that you're looking at cemeteries and tell us a little bit about your vision and your project that you've got with, with or without the avatars okay <laughs> definitely not with the avatars so mine you know maybe one day um Well, basically, I mean, you know, I, my dad died when I was really young, and and I and I've and I'm very like uh, comfortable with death, mm. so I don't have all these issues. And and I know that back in the day, like you see people screaming, and you can still find, you can still actually hire women that howl at your at like your um, passing, but. Um, They were really in contact with spirit back then. And I think we've lost that a bit these days. A lot of people are atheists. They don't believe that anything is going to happen to the body. Um, and I'd like to bring, I mean, I would like personally to bring that back into my cemetery to sort of have like a celebration of life. Like, uh, so when you're, you know, you, instead of making it something so sad, try and bring some lightness and happiness I believe in reincarnation as well. You know, that's a whole other subject. That's all my personal views. But if I really think about it, 
We contaminate the planet so much. I mean, just during our lives, what we do, what we buy, our houses, everything. And I just feel like when we pass, it should be a moment when we just stop contaminating. I mean, there's there's figures that I've been looking up um, European figures, figures in Spain, figures in America, and you just, you can't even believe it. So every year in Europe, there's hundreds of thousands of tons of steel that go into the ground. There's literally millions of um, tons of micro cement, reinforced concrete that's put into the ground as well. There's screws, there's synthetic uh, material for the inside of the coffins. Then what they inject into the people, embalming, there's, and it's just unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Death is such a natural thing. I think we should just, uh, just go back into the ground peacefully yeah. as we are. What's the big deal? And then imagine if you could plant a tree and then, you know, for generations to come, you can go and visit your relatives at a cemetery that's beautiful it's a forest and you go and you can meditate under the trees and your grandchildren or friends they can make ecological like little dream catchers and stuff and have like art classes that make it like a real sort of community area it shouldn't be like just segregated for death like it shouldn't be a toxic horrible thing it should be something that we embrace in life and we don't fear just make it more beautiful. Yeah, because, you know, in, 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 you see in the movies, where do they make the most horrific scenes? They're mm. always in cemeteries, right? And that's where the haunted stuff happens. That's where those dark spirits and everything that is... But making it into a lightness, because it is a transition, mm. right, into a different... I believe in reincarnation as well, you know, mm. that we, 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 we do go from, you know, as the Bible says, go to dust from dust to mm. dust, right? And to be given that opportunity where your family can come and venerate or respect a tree. Mm. And if you think about it, that the trees, what they emit is what we breathe. Mm. So your, your life is continued because if we can plant a tree, there's so many benefits to planting more trees in the world. We're mm. losing a lot of trees. And if you think that we can be remembered not in a stone with cement and screws in the earth, but actually yeah. the roots of the trees and the tree is bringing more air and, you know, we can breathe that person who has passed. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's, um, I think it was my, uh, my daughter's grandma, she went to see a house recently and she said, I could feel this dark energy in the house. I could feel it was, and then when I went upstairs and looked out the back window, there was a cemetery, <laughs> you know, it's like we have this like, you know, it's like you think death and, and spirits, but I think if you if you do if you do you don't believe in reincarnation, it's still somewhere really nice to go and visit. But if you do, it's a way of really kind of a peaceful place for if I imagine myself, where would I like to go when people come to visit me after I've passed? It would be a forest. It wouldn't yeah. be a cement building. That is being like recycled and reused and then and then just horrific, like pulling bodies out of the ground, like in Norway. So I'm half Norwegian. I thought they were the super, super ecological. And then like in the 1950s, for 30 years, they started wrapping bodies in plastic, putting them in the coffin and into the ground. And then 25 years later, your grandchildren get a call saying they're going to take her grandma out of the plot because someone else is going in. And that's if they've got grandchildren. What happens? They don't have grandchildren and they stop paying the bill. Then they get taken out and then somebody else gets put in. But they're like recycling these graveyards and it's just unnecessary. Why would you want to move something that's biodegradable? Like yeah. we are biodegradable. Yeah. But I mean, that takes us on to a whole other topic of... Um... <laughs> All the other ideas that people... Because, you know, you think... Um, so, so it originally started, I thought, oh, I want to do this forest cemetery. It's so natural. It's so beautiful. And then I found these um, guys in Holland that were making the mycelium coffins. And then I started learning about mycelium. And I was like, oh, my God, this, I'm going to do a mycelium cemetery. And it's going to be the underground network of, of uh, fungus that's all connected. And I was all excited. And then I got an email from the from the... 
natural death organization in in uh, England telling me that they're just rubbish those coffins and then I got really let down so I've had a lot of moments when I felt really let down then I found the death suit I think Luke Perry was uh, yes. buried in a in a death suit they're really cool yeah. as well yeah. so maybe they work better than the coffins I don't know but it's a great concept, you know. Mycelium is the world's most fastest recycler. Yeah. And it recycles crazy stuff like microplastics and, and, and things like that. But then you get onto the other issues. So then, as you know, as my investigation went on, I started realising, you know, of course you've got the mercury fillings, you've got all of those things that you don't really want to put in the ground. And then you think, well, what am I going to do? Start pulling people's teeth out before <laughs> they die? Well, like when on their deathbed, it's really quite horrific. Isn't it? And then you got silicon implants, and then you carry on. Yeah, oh, what do you need? Chop her, her boobs off. I mean, it's just like it gets, and it gets worse. I mean, it really does get worse because then you get like, uh, I mean, well, obviously you got hip replacements and prostheses, and so so. I, then I was reading about, or oh, you know, they got freeze drying. Then they've got all these different things that are coming up that you think each one is just more horrific than the next. And then I saw composting. I thought, brilliant. Composting, you just, they put you in a box. You wait. I think the first ones were three months and then now they've got it down to 30 days. You think, okay, you could wait for the funeral for 30 days. It's nice. It gives the family a chance to sort of like, but then they take the body after it's composted and then they got to get the prothesis out. Anything metal. Did you say prothesis in English? Prothesis in Spanish. What would you say? I was going to ask what that was. Yeah, it's like, it's like um, a false part of yeah, part of you. yeah, or like uh, I don't know what it is in English. That's what happens when we live in a Spanish country. We learn some words yeah, that are in Spanish, and then it was like, what's the original prosthesis. word? <laughs> is it is it prosthesis? Yes, in English. Well, thank you. There's there we go. Prosthesis. Yeah, there we sounds go. like you. it. Anyway, stuff that's not natural that's inside your body, metal mm. pieces, uh, metal hips, or yeah, anything really. Pacemakers and things like that as well. Pacemakers, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so then what they do is they get the compost (laughs) and then they have to filter through it and take out all those bits and then they put it back in, close it up again. And and they have to take your teeth. They take your teeth out. That's what they do. They're doing in America. I think two states have legalized it now to be composted. But, I mean, that's a great idea. It's just a bit... Some people wouldn't want you to be messing with their bodies, like... I remember my my um my uh, also my daughter's grandmother her mother died and she was 96 she was brilliant but they're Lebanese and and she didn't even want the doctors to see her naked so we went down into the morgue I hadn't slept I'd been partying I was in my 20s my 30s <laughs> anyway we'd been out all night and then I'd spent two nights in the hospital because she didn't want the breathing machine on her and we were just trying to chase her mouth around with the breathing machine. And then she, like, eventually she was just like, oh, for God's sake, just can you leave me alone? <laughs> it's my time, 96, and I'm, like, ready. Anyway, so we went into the morgue, and it was like, I mean, there was, like, 20 other bodies down there. But she, we dressed her, and it was the most beautiful mm. thing, bathing her, dressing her. Like, I could ne- not have imagined... <clears throat> If someone came up to us and said, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, chop her arm off because it's yeah. made of plastic or yeah. whatever. It's just horrific. Mm. So you want to be buried in the most natural way, which is really hard because we are toxic. Because there's also, you've got to think of um, the people that have, like, um, been through chemotherapy and they've just been pumped with chemicals and then there's also, there's different laws in Spain, like the mortuary code for, um, I mean, I think it's it's an old code. So people that have had like uh, really contagious diseases. So they can't really be buried or in the same coffins as other people. So you have to, there's a lot of hurdles that you have to overcome and find a way where you can bury the bodies in the most beautiful natural way possible like in a in a in a casket with natural fibers and just beautiful and you put them into the ground but then what you have to do until we find another solution for this toxicity that we carry 
is um, you have to make sure that the underground waters go towards a public waste facility. Okay, that's another consideration. Yes. So it's not just any land that you can do this this on. And that's where I found problems because I thought the government would just give me a piece of land and be brilliant. (laughs) That didn't work. Uh, They looked at me like I was completely nuts. Basically, what the conclusion that I've come to is I'm just going to approach people that have huge plots of land, like five acres is what I would ideally like. I mean, with five acres, I've got enough for literally over 100 years. It has to be a land that can't be built on, and I feel like a cemetery, mm. a forest cemetery would protect that land. Not only would it look after the forest, look at all the forests that are burning now. Yeah. If we had forests protected where we were burying people and we were taking care and watering the grounds around it. And not only that, being vigilant of people, because it's people that are setting these fires up. So we'd be growing forests, protecting the land. I mean, it's like a win-win situation. No one would be able to build on that land. The the, the housing prices would go up all around because, yeah, obviously, because they know for sure that no one's going to build, there's not going to be a great big villa or construction site in front Mm -hmm. of them. And you know what? I've been asking my neighbours because there's the river right in front of my house. I would love to be able to apply for that land. I know the owner, he's never been able to build on it. And I'm not being funny, but you make a lot of money burying people. For me, it's like a service. It's like a, a complete service to humanity. Obviously, I'd like to receive a wage. But if I buy the land or if I use somebody else's land, I really don't mind. I just would like people to awaken to exactly yeah just wake up stop pollute like what is the point in embalming someone just so you can take a look at them or or, or you could see your mm. your son because you can't arrive on time yeah but there is a lot of hurdles so i have a question just going yeah. back is you know because there is cremation right so do we actually have to bury the body or could we cremate the body and yeah. then use the ashes and plant it under a tree and plant the tree and then that's sort of how did that work so the way that i would do it basically i would have if you imagine five acres of land you're going to have mature trees on it and you're going to have open fields so the open fields are for the, the whole bodies because you don't want to be digging into where there's roots to put okay. a body in so the mature forest is for cremations and so there is a <laughs> Lots of interesting things around Spain where you can actually already there is availability. There's one in Malaga, Cordoba, Seville. So basically, I called up Seville Cemetery. I said, "Okay, brilliant. How much is it? Like 150 euro." I thought, "Brilliant. I can come there with my uh, ashes of my grandmother or whoever, and then throw the ashes under the tree." And I said, "That's brilliant." She said, "Yeah, don't worry because we don't do that again for the next six months." I thought, "Okay." Brilliant. Well, six months, and then I'm said, look, what's the limit then? How many cremated people are going to be under the same tree? She was like, didn't know what to say. Because <laughs> there's no end. They're just going to keep putting. So what I would do, because I just felt that was, I felt like, you know, there should be a maximum of people that you're going to throw with the mm. ashes. So, you know, you've got 25 people, like eight people, or your whole family. You could, like, maybe, you know, okay, that big oak tree, that's my family tree. And then everyone puts their cremations from that family. Like, that would be a possibility. Mm. But if you don't have much money, there would be communal ones maybe. But I don't think I would do more than, like, I mean, there's a limit of how many you can put on. And I think that's so beautiful, you know, looking at the, your family tree, it takes yeah. a whole, sheds a whole new light on what a family tree is. Yes. And, you know, we look at our family tree, we look at our background, we look at where we came from. Oh. And isn't it beautiful to actually have your family tree and you can you can create a whole sort of like all of your ancestors and, and really respect our ancestors who knew much better in a in a in a beautiful sacred way how to mm. venerate the death and how to make that transition into a beautiful moment of sacred 
transition right. into a different into a different realm. Mm. You know, we look at the burial grounds, and it's really interesting when they came up outside of Seville talking about Seville. There's a place called Carmona, and it's the elephant tomb where they found all of these Roman not so long ago. I mean. So, relatively speaking, about 100 years or so ago, where they found these Roman tombs and they were filled with beautiful jewels and everything, which made people realize how, when the Romans would bury, that there was an afterlife and that people would take their jewels and all of their family heirlooms and everything with them. And, of course, we open up these burials, these tombs, and realize, okay, well, they didn't really take it with them. They're still here. So what's the point in accumulating all of those things? Mm. It brings on another whole different air about how we accumulate stuff and, and mm. then the, the effect of whatever we are, our actions on this world and how it has an effect on our planet Earth, on Gaia, on how our interconnection with this world mm. is and not only our living but also the dying yeah i've got two funny things that i thought about when you were saying that one is imagine your family tree and then imagine making a family tree so hanging on each branch so you actually made uh, like the paintings but mm. with the little signs that came into my Beautiful. head and then i just thought this is so funny because um i was reading this article and uh, the people in America that are getting cremated, there's something really bad happening. So, you know, the Romans were taking, what were they taking? Gold and jewels and diamonds. And the Egyptians were taking all kind of their whole house, <laughs> all the furniture, <laughs> because they thought that they would need that in the afterlife. Yeah. Well, do you know what people are taking these days? They're taking their mobile phones. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No. I swear. So what's happened is... Like in the cremation, suddenly there's like explosions coming from inside the cremation thing because they've gone and put the mobile phone in with them, thinking that they're going to need it in the afterlife. I mean, it's unbelievable. Or maybe they think that just in case they're not really dead, they can quickly make a phone call and get themselves. Yeah, well, I'm sure (laughs) they're You'd be pig sick if your battery was dead, wouldn't you? Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. Do they have a charging post for the electricity? Yeah, Yeah. that'll be the next one. No. But, um, but yeah, so lots of, um, it's, it's nice though to think that the Romans were uh, like believing that there is an afterlife. I and mean, the with Egyptians the mobiles, as well. Yeah, the Egyptians, yeah. And, and, and I, and I just think that somewhere in this kind of like, uh, mix up of what religion is and, and maybe some people using it to, for power and we've kind of lost our connection with gods you know not everyone but a lot of people have and and mistrust in in humanity and and everything so I just would like this to be like a safe haven where I can start building back on that belief like in a natural safe Mm. way where people don't feel like I'm trying to manipulate them when I talk about gods you know and 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 even if they don't believe in God, it's brilliant because they just, it's this very like, uh, not, it's very, uh, what do you call it? What's that word? Practical. Practical. That's the That's word. The word. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if I look at the way my mum passed and she wanted to go in a, in a natural way and she landed up being in a hospital exactly the mm. way that she didn't want to. And then, they, and then there was, you, you can't buy a, a natural cask. You have to spend four or 5,000 euros on a beautiful wooden thing that you don't even know whether it gets burnt or not. And then she was in a room, in a fridge, and I could see her, and I thought, I actually asked, I said, sorry, because if you could see yourself now, you would lift your head and you would absolutely give me hell for me seeing you like that. And then she was cremated, and then it was, I did a beautiful ceremony, but it's, it was that process that was so inhumane. Mm. And when we look at when we... You know, dying is not something that we think about much, but we have that awareness as human beings, know that we will die at some point. But to have something to look forward to and thinking, I'm going to have my remains in a tree Mm. where my daughter or my family, other people can come, and it can be a humane, ecological solution Mm. and something to look forward to. Let's face it. exactly. It's exactly. And so... This is the whole point. It's like it's become so. I remember also the the, the great grandma of my daughter as well in Italy. You know, she just wanted to. She was it was her time, 
And they were forcing her to have that machine on her and breathing. And then they were going to take her into the, um, the coma room because she was just, she was falling, falling, falling. And then, and she's just, just looking at me saying, just let me go. Just let me go. I don't care if my son makes it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to my, say goodbye to yeah, him now. My mom said that if I was a dog, you would put me out of my misery. Right? Bless her. Yeah. But um, so I went and talked to the, the Italian doctors and they said, well, we can't take her off the respirator. It's illegal. It is yeah. actually illegal. But she's dying. The woman's dying. And they did the same thing to my dad. My dad had a heart attack because he went to see James Bond. And he went in the bathroom. He had a heart attack. <gasps> but for various reasons, he'd been, you know, too much whiskey and the rest of it. Bacon. Anyway. <laughs> They resuscitated him. This is my stepdad. They resuscitated him for 15 minutes. And his worst nightmare was to be in a wheelchair. But anyone that has had a heart attack and they resuscitate you for 15 minutes, you're, you're going to be brain dead. So he was lying there in a coma. And I, could, I knew he was looking at me. Like, he was following me with his eyes. Like, he wasn't looking, but his head, I could... I knew he knew that we were in the room. And I knew that his wish was to be just let me be when it's my time. So there was me again, telling the doctors to turn the machine off. And, of course, no one wants to make that decision because it's such a taboo subject. But it's ridiculous. Just let them go when it's their time. Which James Bond was it? Oh, I don't... (laughs) You don't want to watch it, do you, Rob? Oh, my God, my mum would remember for sure. I don't think... uh, Yeah, no, I don't think I remember it. Oh, and I had a really important fact for your story of your mum that that wanted a natural casket. So, in America, yearly, 4 million square acres of forest are cut down to make the caskets. Mm. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. What is the point? They either get thrown into the, the cremation or they get put under the ground. For what? Yeah. It's crazy. So tell me, Pernil, how is this going to happen? How do you see it happening? Because if the government's not giving you land, how are you going to move forward from I here? Tell us a little I'm bit. going to basically, there's so many people with huge plots of land uh, between Malaga and Cadiz that have acres and acres and acres that have been passed down by families that are not allowed to build on their land. So if any of those people are listening or... <laughs> No, but like, I mean, I'll find them. I mean, I have no doubt that they they just keep popping up. What I'll do is I'll apply for the licensings with their land. And then if the licensing comes through for that particular land, because you have to measure the um, capa freatica in Spanish. So it's the distance between the top of the land to where the underwater flows are. Okay. And you have to measure which direction I mean even though it's not a law in Spain it's something that I would do I think the only in the mortuary code you only have to be 500 meters away from a village you can't be above any uh, sort of drinking water wells so obviously I would I would like to take into consideration all those things even if it's not the law and then just have like four or five plots of land and then ask for the licensing and then when it comes through who would sell me the land, if they still want to do it, if they want me to run it for them, and, and then go, go that way. That's, that's my um, goal at what the you, moment. So basically what you're looking at doing is using land that is not being used at the moment, converting it and making it into a forest, which is something that is really amazing. Mm. It's a beautiful project. Yeah. And if you know of anybody, if there's anybody out, out in the world who's listening to this and they would aspire to doing this, what steps would you recommend them to start off with? Because obviously you've been doing this for a while now. You've been looking yeah. at the pros and cons and all of that. Mm. How would you recommend to somebody who is totally inspired by this idea? Where would they start and what would you recommend them well, the, I mean, I started, and to be honest, the Swedish are brilliant. They wrote back, and I've got so many documents of different studies that have been done worldwide of, of exactly that, like uh, pathogens in the water, um, what, what, what the systems are in different countries. And, we, you know, for example, it was actually, um, there's a UNESCO-protected cemetery in Stockholm. It's beautiful. It's like a forest cemetery. 
it's over 100 years old, but they just put the bodies in with the casket and the whole thing. It's not an eco-cemetery, but it look, it's a forest cemetery, so it's kind of nearly there. Uh, there is other eco-cemeteries ho- opening up, so I would contact uh, Natural Death in England or just contact me because I have all the information and I will gladly share it out Beautiful. with anyone. Yeah. So and we'll, we'll yeah. put your, your inf- details in the, in the yeah, show notes. You yeah, you can put them in there. And anyone that's interested or wants to join my journey with me, um, at the moment, I'm, I've got this brilliant guy with numbers. So I've, I've got these um, humanitarian projects um, things that I'm doing and I'm and I'm just preparing the project like really like how the businessman likes to read it like figures land like how much will I make in so many and the figures are like it's crazy do you know what I actually had to do I actually had to lower the figures down because I thought I can't share this to anyone because it's too much money what you're gonna make on it oh really I swear (laughs) but I don't want it to be so that Okay, so this was my dilemma the other day. Yeah. So I don't want it to be so you have to pay, you know, just you just pay once and I want it to be cheap so it's accessible to everyone. It's not like some elite experience that you're going to have. And then one, you pay one payment, but then you have to think, what's the maintenance going to be? And then this is where it goes a bit like, is this humane or like, please tell me your opinion because I'd like to know. So in Norway, they're recycling the tombs every 25 years. But you wouldn't need to recycle it. You would just be able to put another tomb on top. I mean, the, they've been doing it in the Christian churches for years. Yes. So they, they would start off in, inside the churches and then go higher and higher and higher until they got to the bottom of the windows <laughs> and then they couldn't go anymore. And then there'd be like priests running around, like getting rid of the bones so that they have more space. So, I mean, this has been happening for... So what, what is your opinion on that? Like... Well, After 50 years. I just want to share a story because one of my great aunt died and then they put them in these burials where they put them one on top of the other. Uh And I heard some other family members sort of whispering under their voice, sort of saying, oh, God, so-and-so would kill her if she, you know, because in in life they would fight and now they're buried together. Uh Oh, my God. (laughs) And they were whispering, saying, oh, my God, I hope their souls don't start fighting and, you know, whatever, because they they had died without resolving some family feud. And they had to be put in the same burial container because that was the family thing. And that was like, I remember, I don't know, I think it must have been 20 at the time, and I was (gasps) horrified because there they were whispering and saying, oh, because so-and-so and and whatever, and, you know, let's see if they're going to have battles when they're in the afterlife. (laughs) <laughs> Bless them. So putting them into, but you know, you could you could maybe even look at healing, doing maybe a, because we, we're both into spiritual practices, mm-hmm. and this is called the spirit of wellness. So dying is you know bringing more wellness around dying, mm-hmm. and bringing in that opportunity to perhaps even though they've passed on and maybe even in their physical life in this in this lifetime they haven't been able to resolve certain family issues because a lot of people die without resolving we don't have that awareness to be able to make some kind of ceremony where we can bring peace where you could have peacemakers that would be so beautiful Mm. I know that that's something that you would provide no I mean for sure that that would be one of the services that you could then decide whether you want to you know to go for it and I think people always need a bit of time and and the people that pass always need a bit of time I think probably about a week I mean there's there's a really cool story it's my um so I have a healer and she can she can communicate with her higher self that can then communicate with other people's higher selves so she's like an open channel for this and she's very good at this kind of like if someone has passed helping them get to the light because a lot of people I mean, this is like a whole other topic, but this is something I believe in and that's I have first-hand experience with. So I had... Um, oh, my God, I've got so many stories. But anyway, there's one story <laughs> where there's a, there's a lady, so she comes to me and she says, listen, I know you have a healer. I know she does weird stuff. There's been a ghost in my house pinching my toes. My son sees him walking in the kitchen... I can't tell my mum who lives downstairs. This is like a typical Spanish family living in town. She's like, I don't know what to do. So my friend, she goes round twice, two sessions. That's all it took her. But what had happened was my friend's dad, who was the owner of the house, you know, because it gets passed down, and his wife was downstairs, he was bored. He was bored. But it wasn't just him. It was the whole road. 
and they were like spirits. They were they'd passed, but they were bored at night, so they would go and pinch the toes, and they would pull the boy's <laughs> hair, and they were like because they were scared that they were going to get sent to hell, right? Because that's how they've been brought up with the Catholics. So then she had to ha- had she just has these beautiful conversations with them where she explains and her her sort of spirit guides explain to them that it's fine. So this woman, she buys me books every year, candles, flowers, because she says I've, I've I've changed her life. I didn't do anything, but you, you know, put the bright I've changed person her into life. contact. Exactly. Yeah. And I had another situation with my with my uh, with my cousin. Who's who? So my auntie passed, and if I tell you, I'll, I'll probably start crying. But she, she basically passed, and my cousin called me and she said, "You know, I know you know someone. I really want to know because I I can feel my mum's not hasn't left. She's still here." So I went in and saw my friend, and I said, "Can I ask about my auntie? She's she's my godmother as well." And she said, "Well, she it's really weird. This is two weeks after she passed. She says she's doing some paperwork." And we looked at each other, it's like, paperwork? <laughs> what? And we were like, you know, she said, thanks for caring, thanks for asking, but she knows what she has to go. She, she, it's not like she's lost, that she doesn't know, you know, because sometimes when babies or newborn babies or abortions, they don't know they have to go to the light, so they're lost. My uh, auntie was like, I know where I have to go, thanks very much, but I'm just doing some paperwork. Well, we were in hysterics about that for the whole year. So a year later, my cousin calls me up and went, can you go and ask again? And so I went, off I went. And then it was basically my auntie had come to learn um, unconditional love in this lifetime. She didn't believe that her daughter and her husband were going to miss her or that they really loved her. Like, she didn't manage to believe it. Like, she got a sickness. She died because of the sickness. My grandmother had to abandon her. It was after the Second World War, so she was, like, a young girl that was abandoned, and she she uh, started to put on weight. And anyway, she, she had this life where she didn't believe that anyone loved her because she'd been abandoned by her mum. And she was waiting to see, to learn, to see from after death that lesson. Oh, my God, I think I cried. For like a week, I called my cousin up. I was like, oh my God. It's like she thinks I'm crazy. But that is definitely a service that I would like to offer to yeah. people who who want it and yeah. need it and believe in it. You know, when I listen to you, Pranil, it's there's so many subjects that we could just go on so many tangents mm. because it's about, you know, I hear you talking about people going to the light because mm. we are light, right? Mm-hmm. And when we realize that in life, then our death will be so much easier than yeah. we do go towards the light because that's what we are. Mm. So I think the essence is learning in our lifetime, in this physical body, in this world that we live in, in this physical world that we live in, realizing we are light. Yeah, We are light beings. Yeah, But that requires a huge exploration. So we'll have another podcast about how yes. we are we are light and how we can really be light in life mm. and then go to the light after death i want to, i just want want to do one more story about these people Please. that send their people this is a storytelling but this is um there was a dj in in my town i found out that his sister had passed and she left a 5 year old daughter and um she died in a car accident and uh, I knew I had to sort of reach out to him, but I'd never really spoken to him. And he was like a DJ, the cool DJ. So I was kind of like, it took me like a year before I managed to sort of, how do you tell someone that you don't talk to? Oh, <laughs> but I knew I had to. So I took him. He, he, when I did contact him, he was like, oh, brilliant. I'd love to go. So I took him and um, the message for him was, um, so I thought it was going to be like, his sister was going to want to give a message to her daughter, her five-year-old daughter. But what it was, was her, um, her mother wouldn't let her go. So that's another thing that's very important mm. with death. It's about the people that are left behind being able to let go. So I would love to do like, I don't know, um, 
courses like people like yeah. you could come and and do like releasing or like if yeah. you don't want to let go or, or, or women that have had heart attacks because their son has died and they and they just won't let them yeah. go like can yeah, you imagine yeah. as a mother yeah. losing your child yeah. and just just yeah so it's like a healing mm. cemetery yeah. retreat. Beautiful. Because, you know, I remember when I was when I was young and the one family friend had passed away and then, you know, I really, I was quite attached to the person and, and my parents said, no, no, you can't come to the funeral. It's too traumatic, you know. So I wasn't allowed to go, which holds death and that whole ceremony. Mm. You're, you're not allowed to go to that. So for me, death was something that was really... You know, oh, we don't we don't even look at it. It's something that you know mm. you don't want to be exposed to that. And then obviously there's been certain deaths. There were certain deaths of especially pets. You know, little pets die, mm. and that is traumatic. And then when my father passed, that was something that was he developed an illness, and we knew that he was going to die. So just as a spiritual seeker, I started looking into other traditions. How can I cope? with mm. his passing and I started looking into the Hinduism and how they look at the cycle of life and the Tibetan book of death and dying mm. and the living and dying isn't it and then I just started really devouring lots and lots of books and so when my father when I was assisted and I watched him take his last breath which was beautiful my fa- my brother walked out the room and mm. I just stayed and I watched him witnessed him take his last breath which is actually an exhalation wow it's just like, and that's the letting go as you exhale. Oh my and it's God. interesting because my mom wasn't in the room. I went out to answer a call and I came back and she had passed. And the doctor actually said, yeah, people either die with somebody or they don't. Everybody has their own personality right. when, they, when they go. So with my dad and I stayed there and I just, because he wanted to say certain things. You know, he had things that I knew that he wanted to say, and I wanted to say things. I wanted to have a conversation with him, right. and he he was struggling. He didn't want to. He did. There's certain taboo things that didn't want to be spoken about, and so I just stayed with his physical body as they do, and I was touching his body and swiping oh. it and allowing his body to go, and it was a beautiful, beautiful experience, wow. and it gave at least it gave me the opportunity, but it was also because I'd done the investigation and I had the understanding of what dying is, mm-hmm. what is the death. When somebody's body leaves, the physical body and then the spirit. And I just want to give you a little a little story because it was a beautiful story. My dad was a meteorologist and we took my brother took his ashes. And when I flew back, this was in Canada, and I flew out of Canada. And it was interesting because as I flew, we took off, and you know how they have the airplane music. He played the violin and his favorite piece of Bach no. was playing as we took off. And it was just it was the air the ideas. Oh my god. And I just burst into tears. And it's like, you know, if there's any way of understanding, that's the magic. When when we get into the magic of death and dying and we get back into that and that music came on. And then we had a ceremony back in South Africa. He was from South Africa. And one of the pilots took his ashes that my brother had taken from Canada to South Africa, took it up in a helicopter. And because he was a meteorologist and he did cloud seeding, and that's a whole different story. But anyway, we would look at clouds. Clouds and clouds was 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 we talked about the weather, but not because it wasn't something that we didn't have anything else to talk about. We yeah. talked about the weather because it was a, it was a thing, right? And they uh. took up his his ashes into the sky. They released his ashes, and a cloud formed. There was no clouds in the sky, but a cloud formed. Oh my goodness! Like a real dinkum cloud formed, wow. and we all just looked at each other, dumbfounded, and thinking, "There is definitely magic in dying, as there is magic oh. in life." And I think this is one of the things: is that we we don't connect to that magic, mm. and making dying a magical experience, and making life a magical experience oh, as well, isn't yeah, it? I hear that, and this yeah. is something that that is beautiful that you're creating. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I want that. I want that all the energy that you've just uh, created here right now. I want people to feel that yeah. when somebody passes. I want to, people not to be scared of death. Um, yeah. And I want us to protect our mother. Because as we know that, and when you say our mother, our mother, the mother that we live on, Gaia, yeah. right? Our beautiful earth that sustains mm-hmm. us. And when we look at death, there's a lot of fear around it. And, you know, it's either the fear and we can do things out of fear or we can do it 
out of love. Yeah. And so creating the death and the dying experience mm. with love is really special. That's exactly what I want to do. I want to create a, a celebration and um, out of something that is, is, is not a celebration. I think it was after COVID, I went to the cemetery. She was like a mother to me, and I even used to call her Amma. So it's like a, it's like a Basque family, Mm. And she's always cooked for me my whole life, and she passed alone in in the in the hospital, and they wouldn't even let anyone go and see her. Bless her. And then her funeral happened, and I went, and then um, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful um, bishop, what they call <laughs> priest, <laughs> priest that like spoke, and everything was beautiful. And then we went outside, and then I kid you not, there was a there was a guy a builder with his butt crack hanging out and a bucket of cement and and they put her in a hole and then he started slapping the cement on with his bum crack out and I was standing there looking at everyone thinking is this really happening and and her 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 grandchildren were sobbing their eyes out and I just thought this is this is not the way we should be and if, and if you think about how many people that died during the COVID that they weren't able to be with their loved ones, that was just... Oh. And the trauma that we're still holding on to that. Yes. I think that is something that we can also look at and, and how we can resolve that trauma oh. because so many people are still holding on to so much trauma. I think we're all very traumatized after 2020. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not traumatized, but I'm, I'm traumatized... <laughs> at some of the practices that went on and I definitely have been inspired for them not to happen again mm. and I and I this is what I want to do like I pulled out two cards at the beginning of the summer when I was doing this project and it was focus and determination and those are two things I need um there's a lot of hurdles with this but it's not impossible it seems it's easy and I believe so much that it's going to happen in Spain mm. I and this is my home so you you always think, oh, I'm going to go to the rainforest and I'm going to do this and I'm going to save Africa or go and feed. Like, no, let's focus. I was born here. I grew up here. I want to do something beautiful for for Marbella, for Malaga. And, uh, yeah, I want a whole mountain just full of trees. I'll be a client. Okay. I'm a client already. It's amazing how many clients I've already got. (laughs) And actually, I know somebody who's got a piece of land and maybe, maybe we can. Yes. 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 I think I'm, I'm on the journey. I have my focus again. It was a crazy summer, but I'm back on it. And, um, I've got some great figures to show anyone who's interested. And I would just love to make this dream a reality. Are you going to get the authorities on board with you? Is it going to happen, really? Are they going to accept what you're saying? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because there is there is other private um, cemeteries. Like there's a uh, Jewish cemetery in Banom, I don't know, I believe. And so it, there is private cemeteries. It's not like, uh, you know, I had this whole dream that I was going to get the... What, 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 it was actually when the fire was in Estepona and that beautiful, magical forest was burning. And I thought, oh. It could be there. I could be growing, regrowing that magical forest. Yeah. But it was just, I mean, dumbfounded is an understatement. When I was going into the town halls and presenting the project, they don't even know who you can present it to. Because it's like, you know, there's the, there's like the people that, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, I'm sure the universe will guide me whichever path I need to take. Yeah. But I'm on it. Yeah. Because isn't it... You know, with all the forest, because it, it's a big thing now, all of the forests that are burning. Yeah. And if we knew that our loved ones were buried there, we would protect the trees more. Exactly. And if we know and have that total understanding that the trees are what they're giving us mm. what we need to survive and we're giving them what they need to survive. Yeah. It's a symbiotic relationship. Exactly. That we need to start honoring that much mm. more yeah and there was a i was just up in uh, gaucin uh, which is up by granada yesterday and there's a place called uh Gaucin, and it's it means a uh, secret garden and it's uh, beautiful it's just full of trees and rose bushes because i guess it's a bit higher up and mm. And uh, the huge fire is there right now. So there's 37 kilometers of fire. 
And um, there was a lady who saw the, the guys, you know, lighting it up and, and driving away. But if, if that had been a protected forest cemetery that has been watered, that has been looked after all summer, that would never have happened. Yeah. It's like 40,000 acres that's just gone up in smoke over the last three days. And it's happening everywhere. Look at in California and Australia. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really quite sad what we're doing. Or maybe you could have like a forest cemetery around the border of a huge forest. So you're protecting the whole inside of yeah. the forest. So, you're, so you, instead of growing cities, we start growing forests. And you, know, you know, that's so interesting because now it's coming to me. There is a forest in Valencia, which is up further up the coast. And... The trees that didn't burn were cypress trees. Right. And cypress trees are the trees, when, they, when you look at trees, each tree has a symbol, right? So there's the, the olive tree that is of the peace, you know, we know the peace. Right. And, the, and they always cultivate cypress trees in cemeteries because they believe that that's the one that it, it you know, they believe the Romans believed that that was they would, it would help them take their souls up to the ah. heavens, right? So it was a symbol of eternity. And interestingly, that they're the ones that stop the fires. They're a natural fire barrier. I didn't know Which that. is something that we're going to look at. Oof, that, I'm getting shivers Ooh. through my whole body. <laughs> I can feel that. Oh, yes, that is so interesting. What an interesting thing. Yeah, That is interesting. Okay. Wow. So you could, you could surround forests yeah. with cypress trees. Right. And so it could be like you could have these guardians of the forest. Yes. In there. We could be, you know, death guardians. The, yes. the dead can guard our forests. Oh, Isn't that concept I beautiful? I love it. it. There's a really beautiful um, charity that I'm part of called the Tree Sisters. They plant millions of trees uh, every year because it's like, you know, you, you don't want to fight this war that we're in with, like, I don't know if it's real global warming. I don't even know what's real anymore. But the real thing is that trees are getting cut down. So what's the best way of fighting back? It's like with love and just planting more trees and protecting the ones that we have, you know. And, and once this, this kicks off, I mean, there's 300 cemeteries already in the UK. There's 370 in America. And once this kicks off... There will be cemeteries everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I remember driving through the Amazon because my daughter's Bolivian, so we go a lot. And um, just seeing like people living in mud huts, you know, little shacks, uh, uh, wooden structures. And then you get to this great big cement cemetery. So they're living their whole life. <laughs> I wouldn't say like ecologically, but nearly ecologically. Mm-hmm. Like because, yeah. You know, fishing in the rivers, hunting from the... And then, when they die, they stick themselves in a cement hole in the middle of the rainforest. You think, why? So this should be, like... There should be a forest cemetery in every town. town. Mm -hmm. Like there is with cement cemeteries worldwide. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about war because there's a book that was written called Death... And dying by Elizabeth Kuber Ross. I don't know if you know the book, but it's she. She asked the question: Is war perhaps nothing else but a need to face death, to conquer and master it, to come out of it alive? A peculiar form of denial of our mortality. Wow. Hmm. That's hmm. a powerful uh, statement. Uh... A whole new podcast. Yeah. (laughs) We've moved a long way from mycenium and natural burial, which is how I thought we were going to be talking. Right. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I didn't know quite. Yeah, I had loads of figures ready. of. um, But, hey, I mean, I think the biggest problem with death is is, is the fear of it. And and for me, because I've overcome that fear, it's like, let's do something ecological. Yeah. In the least macabre way. <laughs> as well as what I see, what is so beautiful about it, Pernil, is, is not only the fact that there's the death and the dying and that we're going to have a more ecological place to rest in peace, hopefully, but it's also 
the people around because it's often you know the person who dies they go and they might stay because they haven't they haven't they don't realize that they've got to go to the, the light or whatever the story is but it's also having the family members because those are the ones that suffer and when we have a better understanding about death and what death is mm. it helps us also yeah have a better understanding of life and yeah. we enjoy life yeah. much more when mm-hmm. we know that you know I've had a death call basically you know scrape of death and when you have that really moment of realizing that wow you know we're we're not here for a long time and you know yeah. as we age you know we know that we've got less years and make the most of it yeah and to really live a fulfilled life so it's so gorgeous I love that you're doing this yeah so I'm going to ask a couple of just personal questions just to make it fun um apart well we know what you did as a child with the, with the cemetery so what is the weirdest thing in your fridge the weirdest thing in my fridge. Uh, the weirdest thing I've ever had in my fridge yeah. was uh, an iron. <laughs> was that to cool it down? That was, uh, yeah, no, that was when I was at uni. There was a guy that um, fancied me and he didn't know how to express his love in any other way than coming around my house and peeing inside my kitchen pots and putting an iron in the fridge. <laughs> Yeah, that's the weirdest thing I've ever had in my iron. In your fridge, you mean? Yeah, yeah in my fridge. Yeah. Not in my iron, yeah, yeah in my fridge. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad he didn't pee in the iron. Oh, my <laughs> God. Well, my cat did, actually. My cat peed in the toaster the other day, inside the toaster. So I went to put a piece. Of, yeah, I think she's upset because we don't just yeah. give her soft food. Yeah. So I put the toast in, and I was like, oh, what's yeah. that smell? And she, how did she balance on top of the toaster and pee inside the toaster? That's I what I wish I had a camera. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that, um, that I didn't ask you that you'd like to make a comment about on a sort of a last little bit of... Oh, there's so many things. I don't know. Think about that one. I'll ask yeah. you something else. And if you had a billboard, what would you put on it? Oh, well, I mean, it's obvious. I'd put something about, I'd put a great big tree and I'd put a, an angel flying and a happy family dancing around and a big uh, advertisement for the Forest Cemetery. You know, I, I feel like... Dying can be fun. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's part of life. For it's you passing and your family, on to the yeah. other side. I think it's something that we shouldn't be scared of. Mm. Famous last words, who knows how I'll feel when the time comes. But, um, yeah, I think I dealt with death really, really early on when I was five. My dad mm. died when I was five. And, and I was like, you know, I was telling my mum off for crying in the church, I mean, which is just horrific. Poor thing. Um, but I feel like I've dealt with it and mm. I'm just so ready to spread that energy and that love to others with that. And um, what is the best compliment you've ever received? Oh, I did a, a like um, celebration for girls with my daughter, and she's really clever. And uh, I think she was like eleven at the time. And then the girls had to pick up uh, cards off the floor that were that said different things, and they were all scramming and fighting over what cards for their mum. And she picked up wise, and that's something that I do not see myself as I think and so when my daughter said that I was wise I was just knocked off my feet I think that is the most beautiful compliment well I definitely see you as a wise no thank you thank you yes you know to see that you're doing something that is helping it's going to be helping so Mm. many people and such a beautiful project um I wish you Mm. All the luck in the world. May the universe open the path for you to creating that. I can already see it. I see it. I'm going to cry. You are already crying. (laughs) I I just think it's just been a process, hasn't it? It The the universe just guides you exactly where you have to be. And I just think when, when you have all this abundance that's thrown at you, all these gifts that have been thrown at me, and then you get more and you just think, I can't, what, what can I do with this money, this sacred money that I'm being given? 
And I'm sure I'll use a lot more than what I received. <laughs> but I'll get it easily, no problem. Yeah. But that's not the point. The point is that they were giving me this money that was so hard earned for them and I just needed to direct it to something that was really meaningful. Yeah. And then and it took me four months and then I thought, This is it, this is this is it, this is what I wanna do. And people think I'm crazy. That's okay. That's okay. In, a, in, in our last podcast with Petra, she said, you do you, I'll do me. <laughs> and I love that. It's like, you do you, you know, but oh, let me do me. Well, I think also was it Einstein that said, you know, if people don't think you're absolutely crazy when you come up with an idea, then it's, then it's a crappy idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you were paraphrasing there, weren't you? <laughs> I don't think he said crappy. No, no, I don't think he used that word. <laughs> we were worried about swearing, weren't we? That was the worst swear that word that That was the worst one, you <laughs> worst... see? I'm really good. <laughs> that wasn't even that bad. Thank you so much, Purnell. My Thank pleasure. You for Thank you. Us. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. inspiring me and talking. And thank you so much, both of you. It's been, you know, whew, filling me with more energy. Again, yeah. and positivity. And hopefully it will reach a lot of people and uh, they'll be excited and maybe they want to come and help on the project. You know, it could be like, you know, people always go away to South Africa to go and work with like people or monkeys or, you know, yeah. they could come and like do a cemetery. They could come and, sh- and share like their, their uh, talents and do exactly. like, yeah, because everyone's waking up these days. I'm, to, like, I'm, new I'm on talents. board. You, you need help? I'm I'm with you. Amazing. Girl. We'll do some Perfect. forest bathing because yes. I love doing forest bathing. <gasps> forest bathing. And doing forest bathing in there. Yeah. Wow. wow. Imagine doing imagine? forest bathing in your, in your forest. And just filling it with good energy. Yeah. Just people with yeah. good energy and and uh, happiness and yeah. eco decorations and flowers. It takes and, forest bathing to a completely oh. different level, doesn't it? You know, just forest bathing about death and about... You you know, blessing the, the, oh, the wow. death and the dying and just facing facing our immortality. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What an interesting lady. Thanks so much for listening. Our next podcast is with Greg Chapman, our first male guest, and he's from Down Under. It's a joy to witness such vulnerability as he shares his personal story of overcoming the death of his wife and his journey back to wellness. He's found strength in sound and silence. I offer one-to-one coaching sessions and create personalized retreats and journeys in Spain and across Europe. So if you're interested, please do get in touch. My website is thrivewellnessjourneys.com and on Instagram, I'm Tanya Wellness. If you're interested in becoming a holistic wellness coach like myself, I recommend the International Association of Wellness Professionals. If you ask about their wellness course, they'll send you a free student starter kit. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and follow us. Welcome to the Spirit of Podcast with me. thumbs up and it is like oh <laughs> I started so well it was good okay let me try that one again I <laughs> so starting well yeah okay also produces this podcast Rob anything you want to say before we start yes I've forgotten to get myself a mic <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say do you want to use mine yeah. Just put, use this. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, my God. Just... <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. <laughs>